My name is Josh, and I'm joined this evening by Jess Bob. We're the folks who have been five the madness, reasoning the unreasonable, makes sense out of nonsense, because this is okay! Hear me out. Bob! How are you doing this evening? <laughs> I'm doing fantastic. <laughs> uh, the Holderness family pulls through once again. Thank God. <laughs> They deserve to win Amazing Race. They should they should go win Jeopardy and Will Fortune and everything uh, else. All, as well. all of the family midday game shows. Yeah, we should put them on everything. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, always, fam- fa- I would say Family Feud, but they get along so well that I couldn't, uh, you know, I couldn't imagine it. That would be a bit awkward. But to all, all of our listeners out there, you can call and recommend what family game show that the Holderness family should. <laughs> be a part of if you call 1-833-666-911 again that's 1-833-666-0911 uh now bob what you should have what now what we're what we're actually leading in with was um you call in with what stimulant alternative to adderall that uh mr holdenish should be taking but it sounds like you lost focus and just came up with some other joke uh you know at the end there Sorry, yes, I completely lost my focus on that because the today's topic happens to be about the the very serious and very dramatic shortage of ADHD medications right now um, that we have in the United States. That's been going on for about a year, and I I, I think there, there's a bunch of articles talking about why there's a shortage, but I think they're blaming it on the coronavirus. But that's really not important. The important part is, is that people are experiencing lack of relief, I guess, from their ADHD medication now. Yeah, but that's the question, too, with it. Uh, So is it relief? Is it is it treatment? Is it uh, a cure? Like how what what do they what, um, you know, addressing does a do it does the medication do for the condition? It helps them cope. That's literally what it is. (laughs) It's a daily cope. (laughs) Because I mean, like all like they they don't teach these people with ADHD on like how to man quote unquote manage their symptoms, which they they bring up a lot in a lot of the articles I've read about this actually. Um, But we're gonna start off with the New York Times brought this up, and the New York Times brought this up. Everyone else is writing about the shortage itself. And then a bunch of people on social media, TikTok especially, started making videos about how their medication isn't working for them anymore because they're getting like off-brand alternatives, either like an off-brand of like the the same type of medication or just like an entirely different upper itself uh, to replace their Adderall prescription. So uh, it's kind of funny, though, because I have a couple sound clips here. We'll start with that. 
medication since I was nine. I'm currently 26. I did some research because I haven't been able to function lately. So this is my bottle and I swear to you, it used to say Adderall XR 20 milligrams, not D-amphetamine. When comparing Dexedrine and Adderall directly, Adderall showed the ability to decrease symptoms of ADHD overall. And there was no evidence that Dexedrine could. I personally think they're giving us Dexedrine during this shortage, but that's just me. Yeah. Wait, so so is that is that an actual like you know, theory or conspiracy on her part where uh, she thinks they switched changed the active ingredient of the drug, or is it actually like a bottle labeled something differently? She she was clutching that bottle, waving it around. Uh, so it, it must have said something different. She must have been uh, been prescribed like just a, a wholly different medication in the shortage itself. But that wasn't the case for all of them, right? So no, they're not working. Um, I had to go take a drug test for my new job. And so, of course, I woke up that morning, took my Vivans. Like two or three hours later, I go do this drug screen. I just got my results back today. There's no amphetamines in my system. Is it just me or... <laughs> so, <laughs> getting kind of weirded out by this. <laughs> To to behave like a regular person, I need to test positive on drug tests, uh, specifically for meth. That that's that's the premise we're going to this with. Wow, way to give some medical misinformation, Josh. It's not meth; it's an amphetamine. Very, 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 very close and similar to meth. Yes, I, I grant you that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is- like when when they're testing for amphetamines in the drug test. That is to catch meth, I I assume. Right. That's what I would assume, too. I don't know why they would be testing for others. Um, I I don't know why she would be taking that test in the first place. But she said for a job, so I would assume for, you know, for meth. They're looking for meth in in that case. So I I love how this New York Times article starts out. Uh, it says videos of people who claim that their medication is no longer effective have recently uh, catapulted through TikTok. In one, some someone clutches a prescription bottle, rattling the pills as she shakes her fist. They're giving us fake Adderall during the shortage. The caption reads, "The Adderall isn't Adderalling." <laughs> isn't Adderalling? <laughs> see, see, that's that's why I come up with these questions. Like, what? How how is the drug supposed to address the condition? Is uh, uh, when they use the drug's name in its activity itself? That's a little bit uh, a little bit of circular logic, and I, I a non-consumer of Adderall, can get confused. <laughs> well, I, I would assume it's something like, um, you know, if I get really sad or depressed, I'll I'll usually get a doctor prescription of you know a bottle of scotch. And that will help me get through like a, a short, like cope through a short period of time while I'm intoxicated on the alcohol. Oh, and then you're just scotching all day. Okay, that, that's relatable. <laughs> I, I get it. So, Josh, it doesn't cure anything. It doesn't fix these people. We're just giving them uppers that are very close to an, like an illegal, highly addictive drug, which how addictive, like what, what are the studies on at like Adderall being addictive? Because these people, like the, the women that I just played on TikTok rattling their bottles, like they're a fucking like pill fiend. Like these people sound like addicts, don't they? I mean, it's, it's a uh, well, hundred percent. Yes. But also when you take into consideration that the first chick said she had been taking the pill since she was nine. 
Um, what does that do to your your body and brain chemistry growing up uh, to have a some level of dependence on it, even even external to addiction? Like, how, how does that even work? Yeah, these in that case, nine years old, like holy fucking shit, like that. This lady has been on Adderall for more than half of her life. Uh, this nine-year-old it, needs a, needs to focus for eight hours straight, just so so often. Just <laughs> essential things that they must be focusing on for eight to twelve hours straight every single day. Look, they're trying to teach her about the uh, was it the Dust Bowl? They're trying to teach her about the Holocaust. She needs to stay laser fucking focused on these topics. <laughs> oh, that, that's a great point, actually. How, how will she know about the the, the Hindenburg? Uh, oh, the humanity disaster! If um, she you know is running around the room and uh, wanting to learn about dinosaurs. Oh, don't jump into the dinosaur talk just yet. That's for later. <laughs> no, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what was it? Uh, for nearly half a year, many people, uh, I would say longer than that at this point. I don't know how old this article is. Um, yeah, for yeah, nearly this half like a year. two weeks ago, March. Okay. Uh, March 9th is what I'm seeing. Yeah. Many people with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder have uh, struggled to obtain the medication amid a nationwide shortage. Uh, this doctor is estimating that up to a quarter of her patients over the past few years have said that their medication seems less effective. So it seems like this New York Times article is trying to downplay it a lot, in my opinion. I think you held the same opinion, kind of. Yeah, so so from from here, the New York Times article spends uh, about twenty paragraphs going, you know, possible, uh, you know, possible cause by possible cause of why the uh, Adderall or other drug isn't working as effectively. Um, you know, whether it be some cognitive bias or whether it be um, you know, building up an immunity or a, tol- a tolerance to uh, the effects of the drug and like a bunch of different things, but it, it is trying as hard as possible to dismiss these concerns of these poor, unfocused, uh, non-functional, uh, broken, sad and depressed, uh, ADHD people. <laughs> I, I love all the categories. And let's start with the first one that they bring up the tolerance buildup. Those who have developed a tolerance in their ADHD medication may struggle with managing their symptoms. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's the problem. The problem is that they haven't figured out at the age of nine, by the time you're 18, you should have some significant like headwind and being able to manage your ADHD symptoms, like being able to sit and focus and stuff like that. Most people do not develop a tolerance to prescribed stimulants. That's the problem. And many stay on the same stable dose of Adderall for years. It's not like somebody on 20 milligrams of Adderall uh, one year, and then the next year you have to go up to fifty or a hundred. Uh, that just usually doesn't. Why, why happen. don't they? Uh, <clears throat> I I don't know, but that was I mean quoted from like an actual doctor. Uh, yeah, I don't know because like you typically build up like a tolerance to most things like weed, alcohol, like all all that. I I, I would think yeah, that. So like, oh, yeah, go ahead. Like ADHD has been a major thing for the last. 25 years that's kind of the late 90s was when um in my you know experience and observation late 90s was when doctors were going crazy with um with uh, with identifying uh adhd with diagnosing adhd and autism is that Mm -hmm. is that generally in line with uh what you've seen yeah Um, uh yeah 
definitely. So so that it's it's been a while. Uh, I'm thinking even even Simpsons, uh, probably in the late '90s episode, had an episode of Bard on Ritalin. So like that's kind of the. So it, it's been a while. It's we we know. I'll say when we know the effects of what it's like to have people taking these medications for an extended period of time, actual decades. But for psychiatric meds in general, I'm not sure what the uh, kind of general long-term treatment plan um, practice is. I, I don't know how, uh, since, since it's really only coming to the public limelight in the last you know five to 10 years for other psychiatric drugs, I, I don't know if, kind of what, I don't have a standard to compare to for how drug routines change over time. I I always thought was this like just like a rumor that I heard that like people eventually like the older you get like you kind of grow out of being ADHD or like ADD in general. That uh, that's supposed to be a thing and then uh in the last several years I keep hearing about adult ADHD or uh ADHD that wasn't diagnosed or wasn't treated when you're a child so you have it as an adult and it gives you more problems. So I don't like that that, that is supposed to be or that's what I grew up learning is that uh yeah, you, you effectively grow out of it as you go into adulthood. Uh, so that's, that's a good point. But I mean, like, I, I think officially, I don't think there is any, like, way to, like, determine. Like, there is no plan set forth by doctors to be like, all right, well, we're going to, you have ADHD. We're going to do this to help you cope every single day. Uh, and then we're also going to, you know, nudge, hint, hint, like, nudge, nudge. We're going to teach you how to, like, you know build techniques to like to kind of combat these symptoms that you're having of being unfocused and stuff like that. Well, that obviously doesn't happen. So it's just like everyone that I've ever known that has ADHD and takes medication for it, that it's like a lifetime thing. Uh, you know, like there is no end in sight. This is something that they like a pill that they should be taking for the rest of their lives, like an upper every single day. Yeah, now now that we have things like uh you know during the pandemic um, remote learning for schools and kids having even more troubles uh, concentrating. And there were some, some leniencies in uh, legislation where it made it easier for telehealth doctors to prescribe the drugs. So in fact, what I'm saying is it compounds over and over where it's not like there's... Uh, the, the shortage is understandable, I guess. Or Did we ever get a cause for the shortage, by the way? The, cr- uh, the coronavirus. COVID. Uh, great. Very. Um, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> not, not the war in Ukraine? <laughs> Surprisingly, no. <laughs> Which would make more sense because of the timeline involved in it. The Ukraine war is like a like a year old. This is about a year old. You know that would make a little bit more sense. But I think they're obfuscating that fact. Uh, I think for nefarious purposes. Um, uh, yeah, but yeah, but there's. It could be understandable that there's a shortage since more and more people are taking them and never getting off. Right, and it's like yeah, like screen everyone, like fucking. Throw your kids on it. Uh, you're 25 years old. You think you have a, a focusing problem? Great. We'll give you some. Call this hotline. Talk to a doctor and he'll prescribe you a, a ADHD medication. But they're getting rid of that though, right? Finally? Because the... the uh, e- yeah, I was reading something um, uh, just just this morning actually. An Astral Codex guy had an article where he's talking about um, they're, they're reversing legislation that gave... Uh, telemedicine doctors pretty much free reign to prescribe whatever they wanted with regards to uh, the, some of those controlled substances, so psychiatric drugs um, in all of these categories, whether it be you know SSRIs or uh, Prozac or Adderall. But um, so so they're make that it it is becoming uh, harder or more lim- more limited uh, going forward. Okay, well I guess that's a that's a good thing. 
Uh, okay, so the number two reason why uh, they might be experiencing less, uh, I guess, effectiveness from their pills, the New York Times reports, switching of medications. The brand name of Adderall and the generic version of the medication are pharmaceutical equivalents. So patients should uh, so patients should experience the same level of relief even if they are prescribed the generic version. Uh, and they, yeah, that, that's they, how it works. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because because of this generic Tylenol, it's the exact oh, same. I swear. Oh yeah, and the generic ibuprofen; th- those definitely work. Uh, well, I, not- I think with the with the TikTok video as well, I'm wondering if a lot of these people just don't know the specific compound they're on or and they like don't realize that they've switched how how do you, do you think that's common do you think that's widespread uh yeah I, I i think they could switch up the medication without them actually knowing or like paying attention because it's like you know like you're gonna read in detail like the bottle that you get every single time i don't i can't imagine they're not focused enough to do that <laughs> aha <laughs> got them but let's let's go back well okay hold on let's finish this one real quick they're saying that even uh the substance used to coat the pill could potentially change how your body absorbs the medicine although it's still like uh this really shouldn't um this really shouldn't happen it shouldn't really affect anything uh if adderall is out of stock uh prescribers may recommend that the patient start taking a different adhd medication in the interim such as vivance people may experience varying vivance yeah they uh, that may experience varying response to the new types of medication um yeah what we've seen over the recent years is there's been a ballooning of available stimulants in the marketplace and they're not all equivalent well no shit yeah you can't just like throw methamphetamine to these people and be like, here, take this, go to class <laughs> before they start like, I mean, sc- like, like tearing people's faces off and like trying to eat it and shit. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, let's go back to this compilation of TikTokers, uh, all women um, uh, talking about their medications. Enough. Yeah. Strange. Is anyone else's Adderall just not working? Like, like, I'm on like a 20 like, milligram extended release and I feel like ever since everyone's been talking about the shortage and stuff like all the new uh, bottles that I get I'm like I feel like they only maybe work on some days or I have to drink like coffee to like maybe get it to kick in I don't know <laughs> y'all may have figured out what my vibe answers are. <laughs> so, so uh, you know so some of these people I think they're just making it up that that chick in particular I can believe that her brain is dysfunctional. Yeah. <laughs> Which leads us to the next point that the New York Times brought up. <laughs> uh, what was it? Uh, cognitive bias. Or no, it was a dis- uh, disruption of other factors. Hold on. Um, okay, yeah. So, yeah, disruptions and other factors. Sleep may also play a critical role. Like if you think you're tired, like you could lose focus like that way and stuff like that. If you're having stress, definitely a hoax. God damn it. (laughs) And then a third of patients, a third of patients with ADHD have another mental health condition. Symptoms of both can overlap with each other. The uh, jitteriness that comes with anxiety, for example, may look like a hyper may look like hyperactivity. Patients who think that their ADHD has become worse 
on that their treatment is not sufficient may also be grappling with multiple disorders at once. Well, that was her. <laughs> uh, well, what I'm taking away from this as well is that an ADHD diagnosis is actually more effective at diagnosing um, other mental conditions than it is ADHD. <laughs> Here's a prescription of uh, Adderall and also lithium. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> Those uh, go together great. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's continue this montage. Not working. I was diagnosed with ADHD 10 years ago, and I've been taking ADHD meds on and off for 10 years. And this shit is different. Okay, this is for anyone who takes any sort of like stimulant, Adderall, Vyvanse, Ritalin, Concerta, any of those. Excuse my language. This shit. This shit is not working. I don't. I. I don't know what they're giving us, but but it's not it. It's not. It's not it. This isn't real. They're giving us a sugar pill, a placebo, something. Every single morning, I used to take this. I would get like the instant butterflies in my stomach. I'd feel the need to go to the restroom, and it would be this extreme focus all day and like a terrible, <laughs> terrible feeling right before I go to bed. A little bit of anxiety, and I couldn't fall asleep. None of that. Now, granted, it's helped my sleep, but that's how I know it's not working. Please, um. Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! I don't want to kill myself. Therefore, my life is terrible. We're, we are so fucked. As like the human race is fucked. If like every other country just starts getting prescribed these insane medications, oh my god! Ah, oh, okay. A little bit more. Discourse about ADHD meds not working lately and uh, there being like a national shortage. And I'm noticing it too. Some of my Vyvanse works and sometimes it doesn't. So I'm going to start making a chart because um, I'm on it right now. It's not working. So when it works, I can feel a come up where I just like I sit there for a little bit. I'm like, yep, meds are kicking in. And then I do stuff like make appointments or clean or do my homework or read. Um and I don't make stupid little jokes constantly in my head. And I took it. it. I should have come up by now. And I'm thinking a lot of dumb stuff. So today's dose is not working. And they are from the same bottle. And um, But the other day, it was working. So today I'm going to go get my refill. Um, because Walgreens said I have five days to get it. Or they're going to just put it back. Because, you know. Why don't they just automatically send us the ADHD meds? Like, do they really expect us to come get it? Anyway, I'm going to make a chart. And... Uh, when it works and when it doesn't work. And I will report back in approximately a month. She was <clears throat> surprisingly organized for a woman whose, whose upper wasn't working at that exact moment. You know what I mean? <laughs> she, it was not working. And so she's going to make a chart about how her, her focusing medication isn't working correctly. Yeah. It's one of those people where it's uh, a, a making it up or there's like nothing to drug or that the drug sounds like it's it's exclusively uh diminishing their their ability or just or just messing them up well so they give um, i i did a quick search and the closest walgreens to me is 0.5 miles away that's uh i couldn't possibly go there within five days what, do they just expect you to walk there josh <laughs> <laughs> You know, if you had a little meth in your system, I think you'd find the energy to go do it. But that's well, just pep me. In the step. <laughs> so the the last is a cognitive bias that the New York Times gives for these people. It is also possible that nothing is happening, he said. 
noting that the power of cognitive bias, people who keep hearing that Adderall doesn't work anymore, may become inherently more skeptical about their medications. Through online platforms, particularly TikTok, which is bad, patients with ADHD have connected <laughs> with one, <laughs> one another over the last few years, finding comfort and solidarity. While that has helped many people via support and resources, medical misinformation can also spread through these channels. I do wonder how much of this is suggestibility, wanting community uh, around a diagnosis. Well, I think that last girl definitely um, might might have been going through that. Especially because she was saying that like it, it comes off like it works some days and it doesn't work other days. Like, what are they just getting like bunk pills? You know what I mean? Like, that would be the explanation. It's like they've lowered the quality of their production line. Uh, some pills actually have like the correct amount. Other pills don't. And there's like varying like quality changes between like pill to pill at that point. I mean, right? the, if you look at the the supplement market, that's very common for there be to be extreme um, you know variation in quality and difference between even pills in the same bottle. So like it's it's not unheard of or that that is a very likely thing that happens in um, in pharmaceuticals. Oh, okay. I I wouldn't think in like well. That is different than pharmaceutical, I, I would hope. Oh, yeah, yeah but, but I assume they're like supplements and drugs are produced in similar type of uh, environments and processes. Okay. Right? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I have no fucking clue. We need a pharmacist. Pharmacists out there. 833-666-0911. Yeah, give us a ring. So my opinion on this is that uh, – these people, there's nothing wrong with these people. They were told something was wrong with them when they were very young. Uh, or they just never had the discipline to like sit down and focus with something. And now they're just drug addicts. These people are literal drug addicts fiending for their for their for their drug. Like, did you not hear that in like half of the women that in that TikTok compilation? Yeah, they're they're de desperate. Yeah, they were desperate for, for something they feel like they're told they're they told they are told that they need. Yes, yeah, uh, they've been completely convinced, completely convinced by like medical doctors, their teachers, like all these people that you know they're mentally insufficient. But it's like I I, I can guarantee them with like a little bit of discipline, like in their life, like they could get over this. They could learn mechanisms to control your thoughts like to, to, like that one girl she was like oh I'm, I'm making a bunch of stupid jokes in my head it's like can you not control yeah, your what can you not control your inner monologue you wait hold on she she had an inner monologue which i still don't believe <laughs> uh yeah what's what's wrong with making stupid jokes yeah <laughs> like how how is that a detriment to your life <laughs> She needs absolute focus for 12 hours straight. She, <laughs> she's Gotta organized. Gotta get through her uh, soul-crushing job, I guess. Yeah. So, no gun to your head question. I'm just pointing out that these people are drug-addicted retards that have no discipline in their life. That's, that's Bob, my that's, bit. That's, that's one theory. Um, okay, hear me out. This may sound a little bit out there, a little bit conspiratorial, but I, I want to go back to that one line, uh, New, York, New York Times article. Um, around a third of patients with ADHD have another mental health condition. 
Um, I think it's actually all the same. In, in these cases, it's all the same mental health condition, and it's called <laughs> long COVID, and it makes their ADHD, uh, it grants their ADHD an immunity to some of the ADHD drugs, and that's that's what's really happening here. Brilliant. That's fucking... God damn. You're so creative. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh... Of course it is. So I, f- I feel like it had to be building up to something like vaccine or COVID related. I feel like coming out of the pandemic, people's drugs aren't working because they had a change to their biology. Uh, a, a change? Right? Like, yeah, to their um, internal like biomedicine or, or whatever. I don't know. Like, There's a word for that. I, I just can't think of it at the moment. Do you think that happened to Physics Girl? You know, like she was like... Super ADHD, took a lot of like Adderall per day, like 100 milligrams of Adderall per day, got COVID, got long COVID. Her inter- like her internal chemistry changed. It, d- it didn't affect her anymore. And now she's just like hyper, like unavailable, like consciously, physically, like everything. She's just like had like these withdrawals from uppers for so long. And now she she's like ascended she- to a higher state. <laughs> Poor physics girl. Everyone pray for a physics girl. She, she's out of the ER, but she's still going through a rough time. <sighs> she she cut off it. her hair. She'll get through it. She's strong. <laughs> 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 All right, Josh, what do you got for us? Okay, so um, I, I would like to uh, do, do a follow-up or, re- or revisit a topic, uh, you know, as, as we are wont to do on this show. We do it constantly. Um, We're so good at this. Well, it's because we're thorough and big into fact checking. But the um, <clears throat> so Bob, a while back you brought in this science news articles, uh, science news article. Uh, complex supply chains may have appeared more than three thousand years ago. Um, did you remember what this was about? Uh, it, it was about uh, what was it? The connection of like one because like they 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 dated like some material and they're like, well, it has to be from there. And then they concluded that like the supply chain, it was like copper or something like that, or like the type of like uh, mineral or metal. Yeah, it was, it was tin um, yeah, that was being traded was. between uh, Turkey and the Mediterranean. So imagine like from just, uh, you know, across the, across the Mediterranean Sea from um, the Western Europe to the Middle East. Uh, and that, that was uh, 4,000 years ago is, um, you know, that, that seems impossibly long ago to have, uh, international, arguably global um, supply chains and shipping routes, and uh, I, I'm here to say that 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 is impossible. Bob, you're you're wrong. Um, the, what? <clears throat> uh, we we didn't have you know global globalized trade routes and supply chains until oh, when, when was it? Oh, uh, uh, 1950. Uh, roll the tape. Influence, but unlike the USSR. The United States would emerge as the world's sole naval power. While the Soviets would hold Eastern Europe and Central Asia, America would have the oceans. All of them. When Western Europe had their turn with controlling the global oceans, that power was used exclusively to enrich the mother country. A mix of colonization and state-sponsored monopolies were all designed to generate wealth for the homeland. When Americans took control of the seas, they had a different idea. Scarred by the horrors of the world wars, the United States decided to use their naval superiority to grant free trade across all nations, including their very recent enemies. Everyone could participate in this new, free, global trade network, 
The high cost of providing a global navy to keep shipping lanes safe would be paid entirely by the Americans. There is only one catch to participate in this free global trade network. You would have to be firmly anti-Soviet. Dis- there we go. Ah, <laughs> uh, good old colonialism. I love it. <laughs> so, I mean, that, that, honestly, um, this rings... Uh, I'm in recent news. I'm feeling some callbacks to uh, this type of story, um, with uh, the whole having to to pledge to be anti-Soviet or anti-Russian uh, to take part in in the Western world. Uh, I wonder what it's going to become of that. Uh, is it, it might be coming back, right? Might just a little bit. Uh, have, well, have yeah, we that's, not... that's what I mean. Like right, right now with the the war in Ukraine, like to be part of the Western world, you have to pledge to be anti-Russian and uh, you know give give away all your citizens' hard-earned tax dollars. And by that, I mean just America's citizens' hard-earned tax dollars to uh, <laughs> uh, you know fight the, the fight the commies, fight the good fight. Yeah, gotta gotta fund those Nazis in Ukraine. Okay, so I mean so, that's it. We, we, uh, we just declared. I mean, that's, that's... Well, but how did they establish this though? Did they they just like oh we're the navy like we'll we'll crack down on like what like uh, shipping pirates or something like that like uh pretty much um so there there was a, a trade agreement um I, I forget the the title but um <clears throat> yeah there there was this trade agreement and the whole anti Soviet pledge and whatnot involved with it but that's pretty much it that that's the 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 backstory there for modern globalization uh, so far as economists see it is that the U.S. Uh, decided to just continue funding an exorbitantly uh, huge navy after World War II um, to, protect, uh, to protect supply lines. And, and like you said, it was um, kind of pirates had been a problem. Uh, additionally, like they mentioned as well, other countries were uh, a problem. So previously, a lot of international trade was just between um, a European country and its Indian, African, and American colonies, and mm-hmm. but not with other European countries. So they would uh, kind of just fight amongst themselves and pirate amongst themselves or between between each other uh, on these long expeditions. Um, so this was kind of uh, 1950 was bringing it all together into um, one truly international uh, system of trade. So before that, it was like the Wild West of international, like, shipping routes, I guess. It was like a free-for-all. That's why, like, like a, a typical, like, shipping vessel would carry, like, cannons and stuff like that to defend themselves. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, and each country kind of had their own... Each country, if they wanted to be successful, had to fund their own navy to protect their own ships. So that, yeah. that just... The, the big thing in 1950 was... When everyone is on the same side, there it just cut down on losses and cut, you know, increased profits immensely. Um, hmm. Not having to worry about uh, kind of any of those outside factors and competition. I'm kind of disappointed in Russia it didn't start like start up a good like you know pirating scheme and start making bank off of that. That, that would have been awesome. Like, well, Russia, right? uh, I think there's always had a weak uh, weak navy. They're they're pr- like. Won't say landlocked, but like the most their you know most their ocean border is the Arctic Circle, and then right. kind of their western border and all their Soviet states were all you know those landlocked uh, Balkan and Eastern Bloc states, and uh, kind of the east they're blocked on the east side in the you know from the Pacific Ocean by China. True, true. Like e- even their navy by today's standards is kind of like laughable. They have like a coal powered 
destroyer boat. I don't know if you've seen that. <laughs> I probably have. <laughs> okay. So yeah, but it's just so much, so much less. Yeah, so much less than the United States, even after um, the whole of the Cold War and trying to work to to keep up. Is your claim here that like it was literally impossible to have like these trade routes beforehand? Then is that what I was wrong about? Is it what you're saying? Well, I mean, the the, the point there was it was a a cheeky. Uh, we didn't have international trade routes until this time. We we have this mark. Um, in, in 1950. Before then, yeah, like you said, it's the Wild West. It was uh, totally unsophisticated. Everyone is stupid. We didn't we didn't even really have a navy back then. Blah blah blah. That's that's what we're taught in schools nowadays. Right. Okay. So globalization uh, and the new world order has proven archaeologists wrong once again. <laughs> Thank God. Uh, but there there is a there's there are a couple other quick elements that go along with this. Um, so, of course, like I mentioned, it's, it's all the, the profit and economics-based uh, elements of this that made it a big deal in 1950. Um, but what other big economic things happened around then? Do, do you know, or what, what was this tied in with? Uh, the Cold War, the Korean War, the end of World War II, the establishment of the Zionist country of Israel. Like, <laughs> I'm just throwing darts at the wall here now. No, no. So, so this was um, there. There were two big things. There was uh, so. Have you heard of the Bretton Woods Agreement? No. Uh, it was this big uh, economic agreement uh, between uh, like forty countries or something. They all met in New Hampshire, wherever the, the town of Bretton Woods is, um, <clears throat> and it, it expired in the seventies. But uh, the premise of it. There, there are a couple things that go along with it, but one of the big things was that the U.S. dollar, that this is what made the U.S. dollar the world reserve currency, ultimately. Or it made all the other currencies based on the U.S. dollar, and then the U.S. dollar in turn would be based on gold. So everything magically would be sorted out. We could do international trade because we all had the same standard and had an idea of how to, uh, you know, how to exchange currencies efficiently and uh, you know, international communication, finances, blah, blah, blah. So that, that's, that's one of the things that happened. The other thing was um, the World Bank and International Monetary Fund were founded right around then, too, uh, as well, in 1944 and 1945. And they played a big role because with, with the international trade, they were the ones giving out loans to help developing nations uh, in exchange for their anti-Soviet vows. So they were loaning them money in order for them to, then again, pay us for the stuff that we were shipping over to them, basically. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it, uh, it obviously helped the rest of the world industrialize immediately, and that's why we don't have third world countries anymore. Right. That's why. Thank, we thanks, don't World have. Bank. <laughs> no third world countries. <laughs> well, I mean, unless they decided to side with those, uh, you know, damn dirty commies. Well, okay, let's go back to the thing number one that you brought up, where how everything was centralized to the US dollar, which was backed by gold. Yes. It's like that wasn't necessary for 3,000, 4,000 years ago because it, instead of having a currency like backed off of gold, they were just using like gold and silver. Like they were actually using <laughs> like real money back then to trade. And it was still like, you know, the only people that lost out on that were like the Africans who didn't care about the gold as much as things like salt or other things, right? 
Bob, I, I think you're I think you're underestimating the the uh, long and colorful history of um, reserve banking and uh, fractional reserve banking and um, you know the financing and loans. Uh, let's go back. So so 1950. That's totally when these uh, the globalism and international trade routes uh, happened. When we finally finally figured it out, right? What if I were to tell you it actually happened in 1850? Oh, uh, oy vey. How did this happen? <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, so in the, in the early 1800s, um, a bunch of banks collapsed, uh, most notably the Bank of Amsterdam, uh, the, the Netherlands previously having been the biggest East India trade company um, and central bank around. Uh, so, so they collapsed, and then... Um, Whatchamacallit, uh, the U.S., they're this, uh, coming out of the War of 1812, um, that we got rid of our second bank charter and had a you know, mini-recession in the 1830s um, and then led into the Civil War. And um, then in England took over as the ultimate trading superpower and they perfected international trade and finances. Mm-hmm. Because they, they, they were the ones, with, with that, it's, it's always the economic factors too, because they, they were the ones who came out of their um, recession and came out of their, their bank run the strongest. Uh, not that there were you know, any external, external, external factors involved with that. <laughs> okay. Are you sure there was no external factors with that? I mean, they may or may not have been bailed out by the Jews, but that's, the, that's another, another story. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so there was there was kind of that where um, uh, if if you lived before 1950, they would have told you that 1850 or you know the early 1800s was when we perfected international trade. But before that, global trade started in 1650. Oh. Uh, uh, you see where I'm going with this? <laughs> All right. How many times are we going to do this? <laughs> this? This is this is actually the last one. Okay. <laughs> Uh, it's it's not uh, I uh, a combination of I didn't do a t- uh, enough research or didn't go far far enough back with the research and uh, you know it's not quite the the Christmas asteroid level of predictable um, okay. but yeah every every hundred years uh, we get a new uh, reestablishment of what is global trade and you know early 1600s was when we established the Dutch and English East India companies uh, when the um, the Dutch in, created the first stock market and central bank specifically around financing their East India trade company. Uh, and that, that's when we had our, our first real taste. Definitely, definitely this time, the first real taste of global trade. Well, okay. So I did not know this, that the Dutch back in 1650 made the concept of stocks yeah, it was actually like early 1600s, um, pretty much along with the foundation of their East India Company. It was yeah. it was specifically of a, a, an investment and financing vehicle for their East India Companies because like uh, it, with pirates, with other countries, with having to fund their own navy to protect them and just like sending ships all the way around the world. Yeah. Um, it's expensive. There's a lot of capital involved, but there's also a lot of money to be to be gained, and they're the ones who who did it first. So they yeah they pilfered the the pockets of a bunch of investors just to have it like the whole system collapse like 200 years later basically <laughs> yes <laughs> okay 
Who could have predicted that? Uh, um, yeah, not us. Definitely not anyone on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Out of the two hosts here, the two hosts that have always been, uh, neither of us have or would have predicted that. <laughs> Glad you clarified. But, uh, <laughs> that, that's really the point I wanted to get to. Is uh, I was I was listening back to last week's episode where where Aaron was pointing out the oh yeah before 1870 Oop. we were just. I think he's he's he calls into the podcast every once in a while. Oh, Remember okay. that E33 and eleven? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Callers, okay. I think I think he's Bobby's friend. You know, that's right. Um, but he he had he had a point about um, uh, it kind of brought back the recurring theme of uh, how we're taught in our history classes and in modern uh, in modernity that before 1870, uh, all of humanity were uh, retarded cavemen who didn't have technology and didn't know how to do anything or build anything. Um, and th- this this is the recurring theme of, oh, in 1870, they were telling them that uh, before you know 1850, that was the case. Or you know, in the 1700s, before 1650, that's when uh, everyone was... You know, that, that was really the prehistoric times when we didn't have real technology. You couldn't get uh, goddamn cardamom for your, your curry. They didn't even have a telephone back then. What do you think they were doing? You, th- you think they were just calling up the English, being like, hey, we should start a trade route? No. Of course they didn't have trade routes. Uh, of course not. Exactly. Yeah, you're going to sail a ship around the world to deliver a message. Very inefficient. <laughs> that, that, that's the point I want to get to. We're, we've kind of always always been, every hundred years, we have a, a recurrence of uh, what modern society looks like and that everyone before was stupid retards. Great. And, and I guess ours just reshifted back to, because like with like this whole one that started because of the Ukrainian invasion war or whatever, like it's it's now being and COVID it's now being like reshaped into something entirely different than what it was that we grew up with and have experienced for most of our lives. One hundred percent. Yeah, we're like we, between the the supply chain shit during the pandemic and the war in Ukraine and all the energy uh, and like the Nord Stream pipeline and all all that stuff um, interfering with the global economy. We are totally gearing up for a twenty fifty rebirth of modern trade. Great. I hope it's backed by gold again. That would be wonderful. <laughs> oh, uh, uh, digital gold is what you mean, right? Yeah, that's exactly what I meant. Uh, Bitcoin. <laughs> yep, Bitcoin backed by the uh, the Fed. All right. Well, thanks, Josh, for letting us know that we're going to be screwed again. <laughs> You're welcome. All right. Moving on to everyone's favorite section of the show. <laughs> You need to know what science discovered You need to know today Whether it's space or bones uncovered It's definitely fake and gay Scientists have made a woolly mammoth meatball But don't grab your fork yet (laughs) God A startup grew a mammoth meatball in less than two weeks by filling the genetic blanks with elephant DNA. So, goy. Here's your new goy slop. Everyone get very excited about it. Uh, Again, just like the New York Times article, this first paragraph in this article that I pulled up on popsci.com, popular science, uh, it starts off, researchers and ethicists have argued uh, over how, if, and should 
if, uh, of reviving woolly mammoths for years. In the meantime, one startup just reportedly went ahead and cooked up their own version. At first, uh, highlighted by The Guardian, an Australian company called Vow has unveiled the first hybrid mammoth meatball made from the uh, fragments of the species DNA sequence spliced together alongside of elephant cells. In doing so, the startup hopes to promote speedier cultural transition to what could be environmentally friendly, sustainable lab-grown meats while highlighting humans' impact on species die-off. Uh, that all sounds is. like very good stuff. They said they said the buzzwords. They I'm said happy. All, all of the climate change buzzwords. And like they, oh man, they they have such a weird like it. This whole article is less about like the science behind it itself, and more about like why uh, red meat. Like, they even go um, industrial animal farming consumption are widely considered to be some of the largest contributors of greenhouse emissions and water use usage. Climate experts have repeatedly urged the importance of transitioning away from uh, carniv uh, carnivorous mindset toward a healthier, sustainable options. But they, they, they didn't say tastier. They're they're healthier, sustainable, and tastier. Right. But it can often feel like a uh, like a steep ask for populations so used to their preferred culturally reinforced diets. <laughs> That's it. That's the only reason why we have this diet is because it's culturally reinforced. Not, okay, do these people even, they're not even logically consistent with their belief on evolution. Either evolution exists and like we evolved to, like that is the healthiest thing for us to eat, the carnivore diet. Like a little like fruits and vegetables mixed in, but if you want to be strong and healthy, you have to have meat, probably red meat, preferably red meat. But no, that is out the window when it comes to climate change. That's it doesn't have to be healthy anymore. Bob, Bob, you're missing the point. Um, humans are the virus and we're inherently bad. But if we go against our nature, we have the chance, the opportunity even to be less bad. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't, don't want to be less bad. Fuck that. <laughs> well, there, there's also the, the point with um, the climate change thing that uh, it's it's weird to ham fist it into this particular topic because uh, semi de-extincting an animal is not the most efficient way to make meat. Just 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 putting that out there. Right. Making a weird concoction of like DNA sequences and then stem cells from like goat or sheep, and then mix them with other animal byproducts that they will not tell us about. Right? Yeah. You have let me let me let me read the description. Uh, the meatballs made of sheep cells inserted with a mammoth gene called myoglobin, with some Af African elephant mixed in for good measure. Uh, but for, for additional context, uh Creating cultured meat usually means using blood of a dead calf, but Vow used an alternative, meaning no animals were killed in the making of the mammoth meatball. Um, so firstly, uh, yeah, so we don't even know what they put into it based on the, the Reuters and the entrepreneur.com articles that I'm getting these quotes from. But um, it, it's a bunch of nonsense. <laughs> oh, I, I'd also like to know, I was, I was watching, I was watching the... Um, uh, science alert video uh, where they they kind of go over it's a whole feature talking to the people from from the vow company and whatnot and like what goes into it and so it's a you know big puff piece give us funding blah 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 but the uh, what, kind of how they describe it what they're doing 
is they're injecting into the sheep cells uh, the the mammoth gene myoglobin. But what that is is it's the protein that you know gets the the taste or the flavor of the mammoth meat, and it it seems like that's just it. They're just making mammoth flavored or flavoring venison or not veal or you know sheep not veal um yeah whatever sheep so it's literally just mammoth flavoring mama mia that's a spicy amita ball you said it <laughs> that sounds uh Fucking horrible. I would never eat this in my life, but thank God because like they actually say that you don't expect to like eat any of this. And in fact, like the first taste testing, um, uh, Val already has plans to supply Singapore restaurants by the end of the year with lab cultivated Japanese quail grown using similar methods. So we're not going to get the mammoth meat, uh, but we're going to get more and more lab grown meat. As the years go on, which is concerning because uh, there's also studies out there that suggest they might not be the healthiest um, protein source as lab-grown meats have a bigger problem than the lab. Leading scientists agree that cultured meat products won't give you cancer, but the industry doesn't have the decades of data to prove it. So it's trying to avoid the question instead. (laughs) Another article I pulled up. So yeah, uh, awesome. Thanks, guys. So I, I think the the conclusion coming out of this, uh, obviously, is although they may not taste as yummy as lab grown mammoth meat, um, you should definitely hashtag eat the bugs. <laughs> much healthier than the cancer riddled. Much healthier than the yeah than the cancer riddled fucking fake meat that they're growing in like someone's closet or in their bathtub like think of like like prison wine but just meat product De- definitely these maggots that they're they're harvesting from uh fostering in, in dead human bodies and uh the these disease laced insects are um at least they're not cancerous that's that's the the tagline that I'd yeah. like to go into 2050 I mean, with. It'll still make you sickly and weak, and uh, <laughs> but you know, it won't. <laughs> As God intended. <laughs> uh, so this popular science article that I have actually wraps up with something like kind of hilarious. So they found this author of uh, what was it? A book called The Body Scout. Uh, his name is Lincoln Mitchell or Michael. Uh, and he says, it's maybe cliche at this point, but it's very hard these days for satire to keep up with reality. Uh, he cheekily mentions lab-grown cuisine derived from long extinct animal species against a dystopian cyberpunk backdrop. When I wrote the book, I thought of adding mammoth burgers and teriyaki tyrannosaurus wings would be a funny comment on the banality of modern capitalism's vision. <laughs> Very, very funny. I mean, it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because this guy's an absolute fucking retard, but oh, God. Uh, these people, like, I don't know how you could turn, like, you know, have an anti-capitalist argument against, like, the food industry. Like, it, like people need to eat, and we, we would prefer to have healthy foods to eat, Right. And, and and I'd prefer my local Italian grocers to be, uh, you know, to, to make a lot of money. Yes. But it, <laughs> I guess to turn it around on them, capitalism, 
capitalism is generating these fake meat products, which will eventually just make us sick and weak. So I I didn't do the deep dive, but like, uh, wait, 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 see, I didn't do the deep dive, but uh, how is Val getting their funding? What, what level of, you know, government research grants are they, are they getting for this nonsense? Uh, I I don't know if that's exactly the, the pinnacle of capitalism and then competitive, uh, competitive free market is, um, however the hell they're funding this. <laughs> so clearly, clearly they're not, you know, selling it for a profit. Uh, no, uh, <laughs> clearly not. I don't see how anyone would be buying this. Like they couldn't make a profit. The buy, like the, what they made this meatball thing. It looks fucking disgusting. It looks like there's like a wad of hair in it. You, you've seen the pictures oh, of it, right? Like there's yeah, something so there, there's like two it. different. Two different versions of the pictures. There's the one that looks like a wad of hair, uh, or like a, you know some some sort of hairball or hairy falo- or hairy uh, falafel ball. Um, yeah, falafel. <laughs> yeah, that's what's um, and it's it's uh, it, it looks like well, firstly it looks like um, a CG rendered image, but uh, then there's the second image that's like it's like glistening and moist and, and just like weird lighting and looks equally gross. Oh god, damn. Okay. I'm I'm grossed out. Thoroughly grossed out now. <laughs> Everyone go look at an image of this mammoth meatball because it does not look appealing whatsoever. In fact, the picture I'm looking at kind of just looks like excrement. I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. <laughs> it it's it's wild. All right. I think that is a, another successful Bob and Josh show. Thanks for listening to OK Gross Me Out. <laughs> See you next week. You've got mail. What the fuck? Don't tell me you don't like my show. Whatever, fuck this shit. I have a PlayStation raincoat. Yeah.